Welcome to Design Speaks, the podcast that helps you discover uncommon inspiration so you can make more meaningful work. I'm Brandy C. My co-host is Julie Hyder. This week, we'll be talking about skills that you do with your hands and how to develop those. Stay tuned for that coming up later in the show. Today, we have, uh, I was able to talk to my good friend, Kelsey Sharp, who sort of moonlights as a designer in two different cities. I don't know if moonlights is the right word. We'll go with it. Uh, Her business is Sharp Design Co., and she's a really rad chick. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about how she takes two very different industries. Different, but not different, I guess. Um, They're like cousins. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And puts them together. So, like, having her designer background and then also taking all these, like... And architecture. Yeah, and architecture and, and mixing it with, like, physical... Um, materials and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So being somebody that works with her hands all the time as a photographer, were were you thinking that you would take something out of this when you first heard about what she does? I know I use my hands, but it doesn't feel like using my hands. Is that weird? Like, I don't, I think it's because the creation of photos isn't actually with my hands, even though I'm pressing buttons. It doesn't feel, because huh. like as a designer, you're technically using your hand on the mouse and the keyboard. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like you're creating with your hands. Does that make That's sense? True. That's true. So I true. think yeah. I don't consider myself as someone who makes things with my hands, even though I'm holding a camera yeah. and pressing buttons. Um, Would you say more so you create with your eyes? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, creating with my hands makes me think of like, making sculptures or painting or sewing or I don't know, yeah. something like Doing that. Doing more than just pressing a button. Yeah. Yeah. I think buttons are the problem here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's hear from Kelsey on what, what she does with her hands besides pressing buttons. So <laughs> this week I wanted my inspiration. My inspiration, I, I actually have been thinking about my trip to White Sands and that was that was over my kids' spring break was was a few weeks back, but something really crazy happened while we were there. I've I've never I had never been to to White Sands until this year, not for lack of trying. <laughs> Every time I've tried to go, there's been some crazy, I don't know, obstacle. Uh, at one point, the parks were on strike. I don't know was were they like on strike? There was something that happened. No, they, nobody was being paid. So there was nobody there. Okay. So I don't know. They weren't being paid. So maybe they were on strike because they weren't <laughs> being paid. So that was one time. Uh, another time my parents, my parents went when I was uh, just newly married and I just couldn't go for some reason. And this time we were, con- we were like very, very adamant that it was going to happen. And a series of things happened, including a tornado Warning? Watch. Watch. What is the difference? Watch is if the conditions are there that it could happen. And a warning, I think, is like the clouds have Hide. been spotted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong. I think that's it. But I think you're is right. the more urgent. Yeah, I think you are absolutely right. So there was a, tor- or t- a tornado watch. And this was like basically directly over White Sands. And so... I'm thinking something just does not want me to get to White Sands. <laughs> Eventually, over the course of 
basically outrunning it in our car. I know that sounds dramatic. It was just clouds, guys. There wasn't actually a tornado, but it felt very <laughs> scary. There was this really insane, still like cloud structure that was completely black. And so we did eventually get to White Sands, which everything had passed by and the skies were clear. So like if I stood in one spot and looked to my like over to my left side, it was like the most beautiful blue sky and like fluffy white clouds and like this crazy, amazing clearness. And if I looked over to my right, the sky was completely black and the sands were white. And I just got really, it was just like really intriguing to me, this like dichotomy of like, I don't know, the duality of life. I'm such a like, (laughs) this is where like my Enneagram for like, the poet in me goes like, there's something really big happening here. And it was so weird. <laughs> but the the thing that really kind of inspired me was at one point I looked over and took a picture and in the in in the camera inside that I pushed the button for <laughs> was like this black and white. It was almost like a black and white painting. It was like a Rothko where the top was completely black and the bottom was completely white, but it was like happening in nature. And it wasn't me putting my phone into black and white mode. It was just black and white. And it yeah, was crazy, really cool and also very slightly terrifying. <laughs> but I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I think that it's it's definitely something that I could use on a number of designs just because it's it's basically splitting a page and making half of it black yeah, and half I of mean, it white. I mean, it's that like super strong contrast. Yeah, which was really cool. So uh, the contrast between the two sides of what I was seeing and the black and the white in nature was just something you don't see. It's yeah, you usually see something in color of some kind, and so it was just sort of bizarre and yeah. interesting. So yeah, so that was that was my inspiration for this week. was Wonder by Jamie Drake. This song feels very whimsical to me. I love the feeling of thinking about creation. It really reminded me of the books, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. The first book in the series describes Aslan creating the world slash Narnia with his voice, with his breath. And the first three lines say, well, it was dark and then you spoke and your voice created light. And it was like, wow, what a what a really epic way to to put that into a mental picture. The other lines, guess I better have a little bit of hope and wonder what would I become if I no longer have wonder. That was really impactful for me because it, it's not always easy, but it's so key for us to not lose our sense of wonder, but also to remember to cultivate our sense of wonder. The other line that really stuck out to me was, I looked around and then I found every gift you gave to me. The world that we live in is a gift and things around us are gifts and they will only seem that to us if we see them as such, which adds to the idea of wonder in the world. As creators, as creatives, we have the unique ability to 
not only have wonder in the world around us and appreciate it, but to practice having a mindset of wonder and being able to use that wonder to create. Today, I have a good friend and fellow creative, Kelsey Sharp. She's coming to us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I first met Kelsey when we were both uh, presenting at a local design conference, what, two years ago? Yeah. I feel like I've known you a lot longer than that. Yeah. I was going (laughs) to say, I've definitely been aware of you for longer than that. Oh, see, I didn't even know that till just this moment. That's that's like so flattering. I love it. So the funny thing is that you and my husband really kind of bonded a little bit more off the bat because of the way you work. So mm-hmm. I'm going to let you sort of introduce yourself, give your little elevator pitch, and then we can we can talk more about some stuff. Yeah, so that sounds good. Um, so my pitch is that I specifically specialize in graphic design and branding as it pertains to the built environment. So whenever a company wants to bring their brand into a temporary um, activation or, you know, a more permanent long term thing, but anything that's real world tangible, that's kind of where I like to work. And then I my exploration has always been about um, pushing the boundaries of because I work with so many clients who offer temporary services, you know, working with unusual materials and and, um, stuff like that. Okay. So where you and my husband bonded, so listeners of this podcast know by now that he's, he's not only a video producer, but he's, he's a prop master and a extreme maker of lots of different things. So I'll let you talk about sort of what you guys had in common and kind of how this whole relationship sort of started with that and us becoming better friends. Yeah. Okay. So I was contracted by Kenny's company um, to build like this one-off prop that they needed. And I'm pretty sure he provided everything like the, the steel and everything. Mm -hmm. And all they needed um, was this uh, plasma cut prop for a video. And I mean, I think we bonded because we're both the kind of person who we come from a creative background, but we've always been the person who's been put into that logistical role. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like uh, there's a lot of like visionaries and then there's like actualizers. And I feel like where Kenny and I overlap is that we've always had to be the one to produce the ideas of visionaries. Yeah. So he, he often says I'm, I'm the idea person and he's the I'm, I'm like, Kenny, I have this idea. And he goes, okay, I think I can figure that out. So that's what you do. Yeah. And on top of that, you you make physical things and you work with a lot of physical tools. So I would really like to talk today kind of about the importance of doing work and creating things with physical tools, not just digital ones and sort of how do they overlap and what's the flow, what's the process for you? We'll start there. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's a lot. Um, it is a lot. <laughs> I think um, it's something people I, are interested in though, because you know, it's such a digital world, but it's, there's, there's an overlap. 
Absolutely. And it's kind of funny because for me, my process usually starts pretty digitally and then I bring it into their real world. But that's been something that I've been trying to break myself of recently. And so um, really going back to um, having the point of origin be a physical sketch, even if you know it has to ultimately get into the computer, Mm -hmm. that's really important. Um, And then for me, too, you know, I grew up in New Mexico seeing um, the the sketches of like Antoine Predock in the Albuquerque Museum and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so I feel like seeing the sketches of all of these, you know, great designers of our time actually was like really crippling to me. And it put so much pressure on me to make sure that my sketches perform well. Mm. So where I'm at, so it's like even at that first initial concepting phase. You're not just letting it be rough. Just not just letting the ideas come. (laughs) Totally. And so I think for me, where I'm at recently and in concepting and sketching is every single time I come to a new project, I'm trying to use a new medium and that's a non-digital medium um, to sketch. So like, you know, the first one that I did was watercolors and I know watercolors are a big part of your practice, but for me, I knew that because I I was acrylic, I use acrylic watercolors hate my life. (laughs) Okay. Um, I do paint. Yes. But you know, like, I think because I knew that I wouldn't be good at watercolors, I could allow myself to sketch more freely using those. And then like, you know, using cut paper materials Mm. or using textiles. So making sure that the process does originate in the physical world before it goes into the digital and then mine going back into the physical um, has been kind of like a little hack for me recently. I think I think just like creating in the physical world, even if it's not directly tied to a project or a specific like output is very very important to me and where I'm at right now so sort of like the power of play exactly yeah so are you setting aside are you setting aside time to play without a goal or are you setting aside time to play in the pursuit of a goal for a project or a client or both so I am setting aside time to play without a goal. Right now I'm taking like an eight-week art class. Ooh. That's really cool. And 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 that's really hard also because I feel like I go to work from like nine to five and then I have to leave work and go to this art class when I've already been like creating art all day. Right. So it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around that, but it's it's exactly like working out. It's like, oh, I really, can't, really don't want to go and do this art. I'm behind on my projects. You Choosing know, to be motivated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love, I love that you said that, um, by the way. And then I also feel like I was listening to your season two premiere. This season, the one we're on yeah. right now, yeah, yeah. It's, officially it's like season one. The other one was season zero. Okay, I guess. so I was listening to <laughs> the, the new season premiere, and I love that you kind of created this tagline for yourself around um, uncommon inspiration because I always knew that that was a big part of you and your creative process mm-hmm. and who you are, but. I had never heard those exact words for, you know, it's like when you hear certain things in the right words for the first time, that is what she does. And so I definitely feel like even if I'm not prioritizing play or prioritizing, you know, craft, Mm -hmm. I am um, looking at the world in a new way constantly and pushing myself to go into new environments or take new routes to go places I've already been and just like looking for that, um, uncommon inspiration so yesterday I went to this like horribly tacky 
award shop where they manufacture awards, <laughs> you know? And I probably really- have some because my kids are in <laughs> yeah. children's sports. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like all the like sandblasted ones that you get for like corporate um, design awards. Yes. Yes. Like that, which is very big here, by the way. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Caden even has one from from I don't remember which sport a couple of years ago. It's a what are those spinner things? Those fidget spinners, fidget spinners. on a lanyard. That's his award. That was like his participation oh award. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I know. I mean, but he's he was five at the time, so it was like mm-hmm. perfect, I guess. What did you find in this tacky place? What was your what was your idea going in there? Um. Well, my idea was like um, way more technical, just that I wanted to see how they were displaying these items because mm. now, I, I, now I'm to the point where I get a lot of award commissions and so I design and build those. And when I'm doing that process, first of all, I don't know how to price that work because it's mm. pretty new. Um, and right. the price, you know, but I know that, that I come from a design background and these prices usually include um, a one-time artwork fee and then a unit cost. Mm-hmm. So I was really going there looking for, you know, some technical information about how they were displaying the awards and whatever. And then I go in there and it was literally like so crazy. It was just like every single surface was covered. You know, there was like, you know, um, no rhyme or reason, like no Dewey Mm. Decimal. It was just like (laughs) nuts. And I actually feel like I really was into it and it was very inspiring, you know, and and. And it was just a reminder, too, that, like, because there's actually so little design in the world, that our job is just to, like, add these little touches here and there. Intentional design, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people designing things, but whether whether they are what I would call a serious designer <laughs> is, uh, is probably negligible. Um, so... How, what are some other ways that, like, you've been trying to figure out sort of what your voice is in in finding your own inspiration and putting it into something like a physical block of wood with glass or something that's an award for somebody or a metal sign? How are you sort of searching for that spark? Okay, so yeah, I think like definitely n- never looking at anything too literal because that's when the world gets super homogenous and mm-hmm. we end up with something that doesn't make sense like a bunch of glass sandblasted awards right I think for me it's very important to not be too literal when I'm seeking inspiration and then two with my clients to also encourage them one not to be too literal and two um, not to try to address the design concerns when they're in the inspiration part of mm-hmm. that process. So like, I feel like when I'm asking a client, like, well, like, what do you like? You know, and they're like an ice cream shop. And then they'll like send me some branding for another ice cream shop. And it's like, well, right. this is what we like. And for me, and they're like, well, this is what we like, but um, our colors are this. And so they're already trying to address the concerns and they're filtering. Right. So it's like, just just um getting like getting the client to be like it doesn't have to be another ice cream shop like like what like look at this email footer that I got you know or right. like look at these like napkins that I took from this hotel bar um or or you know something totally different like look at this um sketch by my child so mm-hmm. so I think that just like breaking that um that habit which is like super lazy of just like going to um, Pinterest, Pinterest and the <laughs> yeah exactly and and just like you know, putting down the devices 
flipping open like a National Geographic magazine, yes, um, and and stuff like that, and looking at old typography and and um, in my art class last week, we did um, potato self portraits. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've done potato stamping. <laughs> Ex- explain this to me. What is a potato self portrait? Like you are sculpting yourself out of a potato. Well, I think that it was really open to um, whatever you wanted it to be. And some people did. They had like freestanding like legs and stuff. (laughs) Um, Mine was definitely not that sophisticated. Um, But I think there the concept, again, is to get yourself working with a medium where you can't take yourself too seriously so that you can push the boundaries of, of where inspiration comes. And it ended up being like a really interesting thing and like a, a whole design exercise around identity and branding, you know? So what did this look like? If you feel like sharing, can you describe it for us? <laughs> yeah. And I am definitely going to send you a picture when it comes. Okay. okay so I'll put it the in the show notes. Too. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, the potatoes got their own because the concept was this is the first day of class. And on the first day of class, you get this um, first day of school portrait. So the, the potatoes <laughs> got like their, their first day of school. portrait. Um, but Mine looks like me, but it also looks like me, the version of me that is really scrappy. And like, you know, I, I, I had to give myself red hair because that was what was available. But that's like who I am is like I'm someone who uses the materials that are available. So I am a little redheaded potato with big eyes, which I do have. You do. Um, <laughs> and a fuzzy sweater, which I'm literally wearing. <laughs> so you'll have to see her little fuzzy sweater and, you know, just like pins and flair. And it was just very me. And then I kind of did that double-sided. Um, Janice thing. Yeah. So I have I have um, a backside of my potato that talks about my alter ego too, which I also think is like a big new thing that I'm learning to honor is that you know, growing up in the design community, I felt like we were always taught that we had to be these designers with like singularities of personality Mm. and like design is what I breathe and do and live and there's nothing else about me. So I feel like I'm in this place of unlearning that and really honoring the fact that like I have an alter ego or a, you know, a duality or multitudes about me as a person, not just me, the designer. Right. Well, ultimately, you, the designer, is the kind of designer that you are because of all these other things, because of how you dress, how you wear your hair, what things you find interesting, how you, you know, video yourself when you're working, all this different stuff is actually, I wouldn't even say that it's an alter ego, because that sort of makes it sound still kind of separate. Like, you are all of these things. Mm -hmm. This is who you are. And people may only be able to put you into the category of quote, like, oh, well, Kelsey's a designer. But Mm -hmm the brand, the the flavor of designer that you are is because of all these other ingredients that you've kind of poured into make it. <laughs> We're on ice cream, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. I mean, I totally agree with all of that. And the the place where I'm struggling is that only the design part of my life is the part that's for sale. So mm. how do I honor that other part of me, but also keep it protected and keep it from getting bled into the work? Or like, you know, you know what I mean? I think it's really hard because we're required to like sell our work, but also sell our lifestyle and our family, you know? Mm. And like, so I think like where to draw that boundary. And I think it's very new to myself to even want that boundary. Um, so just like navigating all of that. Yeah, you do a really good job of sort of documenting your work and 
how you work and what you do and sharing like when you're done with a piece and everything has that is that does that come easy to you so for example when i'm going to start a project i often forget to start documenting until i'm like halfway through and then i'm like oh man i should probably cuz eventually i want this to be a case study and i want to figure out you know putting this into my process and putting it all together on a blog post or whatever you've got beautiful you know photographs and amazingly produced videos and like you're really good at showing that is that something you have to plan or do you just go I think I'm gonna I I just am always aware that I want to capture this so I guess that I am naturally very good at at documenting my process in my life um, because like I'm really interested in storytelling so I've just you know Every, every, whenever I'm doing something, I'm always documenting it. And even if I'm not sharing it right away, I am documenting it because I know I look at everything that I'm doing now as like archival content, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and then recently with the clients that I've been working with who have been um, a, a bit more editorial even than I am with their storytelling process, that has um, shown me and introduced me to new ways of documenting and, and sharing the process. Um, and you know, I'm also just someone who the process is the part of the process that I have control of. Mm. So, you know, there's a point where I hand everything that I've ever made because it's, because it's physical and not digital there. The second I'm done making it, I'm handing it over to someone and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. So I'm obsessively documenting the process because that's all I have of these objects. Yes. That makes total sense. So do you, do you make like an extra one for yourself to like keep as a little <laughs> memento? Yeah, I have learned to do that. And I also start with a lot of like prototyping. Okay. So I have usually You have like miniature miniature versions of all these things you make I I just love that idea anything is better smaller seriously yeah and I I think like you know when we're designing on screens we do not have that sense of scale and I yeah every single time I'm bringing something into the real world for the first time I'm shocked by the scale of it and so for that reason I've started creating full-scale mock-ups so I might not produce the whole thing but like I might give a client you know well here's a 12-inch sliver of your sign so you can see the size of the header copy the body copy you know and and start to get a sense of like the scale. I feel like you could probably do something really cool with like all these little sample cutouts and all this stuff and like make some giant wall art with it or something in your own space. Totally. And I I think like um I have a bunch of loose letters left over from all these signs, you know, because sometimes the lettering is really fragile and it breaks or you know, sometimes I spell things wrong. So I have a bunch of like um, stuff left over. I just don't ever have the end result. Mm. Yeah. You sent me a, you sent me, gave me, I don't remember. Sometimes you're here in New Mexico and sometimes you're there. So I have these two, I have H and Y. I think you sent me cardboard, cardboard letters. I'm like, I love typefaces so much. I just don't know what to do with these yet. I like, I was thinking maybe I could like incorporate them into a painting or something. And I'm Mm. like, but I only have one. I only have one of each letter. So I have to like really plan this out because they're like super yeah. precious. <laughs> well, you you can have more cardboard letters anytime you want. And I, I when I see that um, sign there on the wall behind you, yes. is that is that Eloquent Pro? You know what? It's it's close. I didn't 
I bought this at Target. It's okay. So for the listeners who are listening and not seeing this video, I will have this video up for you to see at another date. But I have the letters S-E-A, which is my middle name up on the wall behind me. I found them at Target. They had, it was like ocean decor season or something. And so it was like literally referring to the sea, but I was like, yes. Uh, and so, but it is very close to Eloquent Pro, which is seriously. what I use for my my logo, which yeah, apparently is very, very spot on. popular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, I recorded with um, with Sean West. He's another another creative entrepreneur leader guy. And when he got on, he was like, oh, look, you're just missing the N in my name. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. But yes, I will definitely take Take all of your cardboard letters because I could do something super cool with them. Yeah, maybe I should just start um, creating little Ziploc bags with 10 letters in them and just sending them off. That'll be my um, Patreon. (laughs) You totally should. It would be so much fun. So much fun. So when, when did you realize that like making physical things was really the thing that you wanted to, to like wrap your your design work around has that always been the case or or has this sort of evolved into just being something you're super passionate about well my background is not in design it's in architecture and construction methods and so being in the built environment has always been um, a part of my area of interest but there was a real lack of design in those areas so when you're working like a lot of times Right now, I'm working with um, commercial properties that they are owned by a company who doesn't have any designers on staff. And then they interface directly with a contractor who doesn't have any designers on staff. Mm. And entire buildings and entire brand systems, websites are being constructed without any notion of that. So so I'm just kind of um, the the filling in the cracks in the grout, you know, but in, in all those areas. So it's a little bit design and it's a little bit, um, fabrication construction, Mm -hmm. but it's always been, um, a part of my practice. So then when I got my first design job, um, as a junior designer, my role was really to work within 3d models and to take the, um, brand assets that other designers developed and, show the client how those would work in a 3D model of their environment um, or a 2D model. Um, you know, so mocking up a lot of mock. And I feel like a lot of designers mock up a lot of science. Yeah. Um, but then having that understanding of what is really possible, how's the thinnest that this acrylic or metal can go, you know, what's the smallest amount of support material we can create to make sure that that O in the middle mm. of the O doesn't drop out. Right. So getting really technical with it um, is definitely just like a newer part of it. But being in the built environment is my background and it's always been a part of my work. Yeah, that's awesome. I love, I love how things sort of come together when, you know, so Maybe for me, that's my love of English and writing and words and how I'm using the word maps that I took from English to incorporate into design. And for you, it's like, you know, I love building and using tools and making things. And that has that has like created this unique space for you to live in. How is it also sidebar sort of question? I know that overall, you know, there aren't as many women in leadership positions in design or, you know, 
or most places, but especially I would say in this world where you're sort of, you've sort of like put yourself this position of being a builder, maker, manufacturer, like working with heavy duty machinery and tools and all this stuff. How has that been for you working with and sort of solidifying yourself as like an expert in this, in this sort of industry? There are not a lot of women in the fabrication world. There's not a lot of women in the design um, world in these in these kind of roles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. So there aren't a lot of women in architecture, quote. There aren't a lot of women in construction, quote. There's, there's not a lot of women in positions of power in design. And I feel like as a result of all of those things, we as women have just learned to create those roles for ourselves, mm-hmm. And so like, that's the reason why women like yourself and like me, um, are self-employed because I think that I just knew that I could stay with an agency, you know, that I originally got hired on by and do this kind of work, um, and always be handing it off and not have any real agency in mm-hmm. the company and have just very like nominal promotions. So you promoted yourself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I I actually would say that I definitely make less now than I did when I worked for someone else. Right. That's always the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) But I I hope that that's not always the way it will be. Right. So I I think like, you know, when you work for yourself, you take on a lot of costs that you might not have even realized were associated Mm -hmm. with doing business for yourself. Um, But yeah, I think like on a day-to-day basis, I will just say that I'm very fortunate that my gender and my race are never a part of the equation. And I am so happy that I work for myself because I get to set it up that way. You know, right. I don't want to be, I don't want to be having these conversations on a daily basis where I'm like convincing a senior male designer that I, that my ideas are worth consideration right. or where I'm, ge- I'm working with contractors and architects who are talking down to me because I'm a, a woman or because I'm black. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you work for yourself, you get to choose to only work with clients who see past that or see you in a way that you want to be seen. Um, right. And and yeah, so it's just it's really not a part of my day to day. And if it is like if a contractor looks at me sideways because I'm a five foot two like um, <laughs> female contractor then it's just kind of like I know that we don't need to do business again Mm -hmm. because they're not looking at me in the way that I'm representing myself and in the way that I want to be looked at. Right. (laughs) It's just always really interesting to me. Um, I had I had a uh, an acquaintance slash friend recently um, be denied for a job that they applied for. It was it was a guy and he said to me, well, I didn't get it because only girls get all the design jobs. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> I, I, could, I I totally could see he was just like hurt and frustrated and like not really speaking from a point of truth. But it sort of just made me think like, I wonder, I wonder if this is like a mindset that people do think um, when they are feeling this way. You know, maybe I, I think that it's really important for us to, as women, you know, put, put ourselves in positions where, where we have authority when when we can, but also realize that it's possible that that maybe people are not seeing seeing situations for what they are. I don't know what that has to do with anything. I just I just was thinking about that the other day because I was like, you know, actually that's 
that's not accurate. There are way more men in this profession we call design than women, and especially in positions of, you know, note, I will say. So I, yeah. I really appreciate that you have you have sort of this confidence about you no matter no matter where you're working or, or the the areas of expertise you might be working in. It's like, look, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Look past all the whatever. <laughs> so Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So the other thing I wanted to ask you is what sort of, so I know you are taking an art class to kind of build yourself up, but to get to where you are now, what, what sort of resources did you use slash what are some ways that maybe designers that are interested in working with their hands more, you know, getting out and learning how to make signage out of metal or anything like that? What are some resources that you can sort of recommend for them to put their foot in the door of this space? So in New Mexico, there are a bunch of resources for um, folks. And, you know, I I would say that just to name a few in Santa Fe, there's um, Make Santa Fe. And in Albuquerque, there's the Fuse, the, right. the Make space. And then... Um, another resource for me just for seeing like what was possible um, and kind of like a place to draw uncommon inspiration from is Meow Wolf. And I know that for the mm. New Mexico audience, that's that's such a like a cliche. <laughs> but I think like, you know, that what I what I learned observing designers in those spaces mm-hmm. when I brought that to Minneapolis, it was really well received because it was so uncommon. So, you know, we, we like, oh, that's like, we almost like refer to like, oh yeah, that's like the meow wolf aesthetic. And I really <laughs> believe that that's going to be like the, the like Bauhaus of this theory. <laughs> but for, for people who did that's not praise, up, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. For people who didn't grow up around that, you know, just like just bringing back some of these very basic notions, like these color palettes and this like forced perspective mm. painting and all this kind of um, stuff or, you know, is, is really interesting. So we have listeners all around the world. Do you have any other, do you have, do you have people you follow or, or things that assets that you use online or resources that maybe, maybe people can draw from also? Are there any workshops or things like that? In, in keeping with the whole, like, stop seeking digital inspiration and education, I would say, like, you have to go to the physical place. And even if these types of workshops and classes aren't available to you, I have learned so much just by being curious and regarding every single person as, like, an instructor. Mm. And so that means, like, when I go to the salvage yard, you know, I might be like, hey, can I pick your brain? I have this thought. I want to use this copper this way. And then the person, which is invariably always like an old white male, will be like, <laughs> you need to do is this. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I never People thought love of that. sharing what they know. Yeah, yeah. seriously. They, they really do. So, so yeah, when I'm, at, when I'm at the salvage yard or when I'm going to these like different materials manufacturers, you know, like I, I'm always having to figure out because I move around a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm having to figure out where to get these materials from. And because I'm working with new materials constantly, that keeps me in flux a lot too. So I'm always in conversation with new people who are the expert in these materials. Um, so I would just say like, you know, don't always fall back on, on YouTubing it or Googling it because 
um, you're going to watch a lot of videos that waste your time. And, you know, it's it's really all about getting back to the human element. So basically get out, find find where the resources are in your community for for mm-hmm. whatever the thing is. Yeah, I think that I think that it's, you know, <laughs> I did a I did a podcast and a blog post a while back on sort of like what we can learn from the hipster mindset. And one of them, one of the things is this this reinvigorated love for like physical, tangible things, you know, vinyl records and <laughs> me using a French press to make my coffee, like yeah. all of the things that we do. So I think that I think that you're absolutely right. Just going out of your way to find there, there are resources in every community. And if you don't know where they are, there's, there's something for you. And there's another way that you will find your community is by looking for those things. I think how, how has it been for you sort of being, being like this, this split community for you living in, you know, you work, you travel to Santa Fe, back and forth to Santa Fe and to Minneapolis often. How do you maintain the balance of, you know, I guess, organizing your mind in regards to finding the resources in those places? I'm, I think that that is a huge, huge challenge. And I definitely did not think that it would be as hard as it has been. Um, but I also think that being constantly in transition the way that I am is one of those things that keeps me constantly inspired. So it's definitely not the most comfortable thing. Um, but it really keeps me abreast of so much more of the world that I'm, that I'm constantly traveling back and forth. All right. Well, I think we are, we are reaching our, our time here, but is there anything else that you would like to share if you want to if you want to say something that maybe you were hoping to share with people that I didn't touch on? I this is your chance. I have one thing which is just that for people who are interested in um learning more about how to use their hands and they can't see themselves going anywhere like today or this afternoon, um there is a show that I love to watch on NBC that's called Making It. Oh, I love and that. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's all about um, making it with unexpected materials. And so I, I love that show. Um, and then beyond that, I guess I want to leave you with a quote, but I have to pull it up. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is just something that I feel, I feel very basic quoting um, Einstein, but I just felt that this, this sentiment resonated you with You are the opposite of basic, Kelsey. So. Uh, okay, so this guy, Einstein. You said, may have heard of him. Yeah, he said, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Oh my gosh, that, I literally actually just got chills. That was amazing. Yeah, we can have this, a whole other episode on this idea that I have about how important the right and left brains are to work together. Like nobody is just right brained. Nobody is just left brained. And there's, you know, there's definitely value in that quote. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Um, Where can people find you, follow you, check out your awesome process videos? Yeah. So um, a part of my creative process is sharing what I'm doing daily on Instagram um, and the username there is Sharp Design. So I, I, um, 
would love it if people check that out and see the visuals that accompany what we've been talking about. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I hope that you're staying warm in your fuzzy sweater in, uh, in <laughs> Minneapolis today. And hopefully we can get together soon when you're back here near me. Well, I'll be I'll be there soon and I will come with a bag of letters. <laughs> That's all my dreams. That's all I want. Just bring me just bring me typefaces. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you. Well, that was Kelsey Sharp. She is a gem. I really enjoy talking to her. I had it was it was fun, and I at points I think forgot that we were recording a podcast and <laughs> just like was talking to to her. <laughs> That's okay. The conversation was great, and it was really cool um, to hear about. I don't know. Her job just sounds really interesting, and I know at the beginning we kind of talked about like pushing a button. <laughs> And, the button is the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> and how we're like sitting in front of the screen and all that stuff. But like to have um, and especially with like as designers and lots of creatives, um, we have like a digital final product. But for her to have like a physical final product, yeah. I don't know. That seems especially like a, really, a miniature one. Yeah. <laughs> that just seems like it would be so satisfying to yes. like hold it in your hands or touch it. it might, if it's a big sign, maybe not hold it. But. I mean, maybe. <laughs> pieces of it yeah but I just thought um everything she was saying about what she does sounds really interesting and um there's just value in like physical things we've talked about that before yeah absolutely I think that I, I love that even though she even though she does that every day that she is taking time to still try and develop that in other ways by taking more classes in art yeah. and stuff so even though she really does use her hands every day in her work she's also learning more ways to use her hands in her work and I thought that was really I think that's really key and also figuring out how to use your community to find those physical outlets especially you know for somebody like her that has to work so hard at that working into she's I think she's like 60 40 in Santa Fe and um Minneapolis. And so to to put out the kind of effort that it takes to not only go out of your way to use your hands and go meet people and find physical objects to use in your work, but also find the people in your community that can teach you about yeah, those things. Yeah, I love that she said that, especially like going out of her industry. She's not going to other designers who are doing similar things to her. She's right. like going to the guys who made whatever the uh, random guy at the scrap shop yeah exactly (laughs) like they're experts in that and so she's getting a different perspective and a deeper perspective um that she can translate into what she's doing i think that's really cool of like stepping out of your little like your little bubble of what you do and um getting like really good solid information from other people and seeing their perspective yeah and you know ultimately everybody likes to talk about themselves so yeah. if, if you if you like want to, especially like in certain really specific technical industries, if somebody thinks you're even remotely interested in what they have to share, 
I mean, better sit down because they're probably going to talk your ear off about something. But if you're genuinely interested and you really want to learn, there is so much out there that you can learn just from talking to somebody. Yeah. Imagine like going to the sheet metal shop and talking to a guy who's been doing this since he was like, you know, 18 or something. (laughs) And then, um, you know, he's like 60 now. And, And how much like information and just how much you can learn from them of um, not just like book knowledge, but like I've been doing this for so right. long. This is how it I mean, is. They're a book. Yeah. <laughs> People are their own books. So yeah, I, I really appreciate everything that she had to say. And I hope that it's something that people take to heart to kind of try and get get out and talk to someone to learn something new and use use your hands more because yeah, it's, definitely. it's really going to make your work better. Can I Again, that was Wonder by Jamie Drake. You can find this song and all the inspiring music we share on our Music from Design Speaks playlist on Spotify. All right, everybody, that's our episode for today. If you'd like to support Design Speaks, you can do so by sharing this podcast with a friend or head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash designspeaks. Design Speaks is produced by Kenneth Niffin and Dakota Cook and me, Brandy C. Audio production by Kenneth Niffin. Thanks to Colin from Vespertine for our theme music. You can find Vespertine on Apple Music and Spotify. Design Speaks is a project of Brandy C Designs. It is recorded and produced in the shadow of the Watermelon Pink Sandia Mountains near Albuquerque, New Mexico. You can leave us a note on Instagram at Design Speaks Podcast, and you can find all current and past episodes at designspeakspodcast.com. Thanks again for listening. Till next time. Oh, 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 o